0: You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen.
1: Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you've given me this opportunity to proclaim your message of love today. And I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit that I would say stuff. That matters, that truly shows how much you love us. Lord, I've I've read, I've studied, I've prepared, but I pray that whatever you want to say through me that you would, and that it would connect with hearts and show us how much you love us. So help me in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to talk about love, love poured out from Romans chapter 5. So about a year ago, they came up with the Christian Standard Bible, and some say it's the closest to the NIV 1984 Bible, and I'm going to use that for my text today. But love poured out. What a great time to talk about love right before Valentine's Day for those of you that um, are in a relationship, uh, going to show love from, for somebody. Uh, Valentine's Day is interesting, so it is on the calendar and there is expectation that comes with it. Now, I don't know if you participate in Valentine's Day with the person that you love or your kids or your grandkids. I don't know if they still do this, but I remember when I was in elementary school, you were supposed to make a Valentine's Day card for everybody in your class, and then they were all shared, and so I would do that. And about fifth grade, when we were having to do this, there was one particular Valentine that I would hand out that I really wanted that girl to like. I'd put her name on there, like, oh, Julie was her name. And that was almost prophetic, because she wasn't the Julie, but I would marry a Julie, so, hey, it still worked. But I think about Valentine's Day, and I come to it, and I think to myself, I don't want to disappoint my wife. I don't want her to feel like she missed out. So being that we are busy on Monday and Tuesday, and then there's clubs on Wednesday night, we, uh, on Thursday, went out to try to celebrate that early. So I might do something else to celebrate it, but I already took some steps to show her love. But Valentine's Day spending is amazing. So last year, they reported that... Uh, they expected that $18 billion would be spent on Valentine's Day spending. And cards, candy, evening out, flowers, jewelry, clothing, gifts, gift cards, certificates, that the average person would spend $146 on Valentine's Day. But then they also listed that a dozen roses could cost you up to 100 bucks. So I don't know what you're doing for Valentine's Day. I don't know why you're doing it. Sometimes we do it out of guilt. Uh, Sometimes we do it because we don't want to uh, uh, disappoint the one that we love, or fear that if we don't deliver, there may not be any more opportunities for Valentine's Day. And so you think about Valentine's Day, and you think about people that you really care about, and I think what it comes down to a lot is, is you don't want to disappoint the one that you love. You want to show the one that you love how much you love them. And something happened to me yesterday that is a great example, or illustration to maybe the way that God loves us. Because yesterday, um, I think it was yesterday, I really messed up. No, it was the day before yesterday. I really messed up. So uh, my wife felt we needed a new stove, so she bought a new stove. And I don't use it a whole lot. She cooks most of everything, but I was making myself some eggs, and there are four knobs on the stove. And three of them are, um, they go high on the top too low. And I discovered after I scorched the pan Uh, nearly destroying the pan, that the fourth one on the end goes the other direction. So it, for some reason, goes low to high. There's like three different settings. So these three over here, I'll say, you know, turn it down this way. And then the fourth odd duck over here, uh, which has multiple settings or whatever, is the other direction. So I'm making myself some eggs. And I'm like, oh, it's getting a little hot. I think I'll turn it down. And uh, I tell you, I went to the refrigerator to grab the eggs, and by the time I came back, the pan looked about like that. Her beautiful stainless steel pan, the pan that she cares for, that she loves, and I totally destroyed it. And I thought to myself, what am I going to do? The first thing I thought is, I will hide the pan, I will buy another one, the pan will come in, hopefully it will come in fast enough, she won't know what happened. Then I thought, I should fix the pan, so I tried to wash it, tried to clean it, it wouldn't come clean. So I thought I should go out into the garage, take my orbital sander and sand the stuff off and buff it, maybe put some clear coat on there and she won't know. And then I went online and they said that you could try vinegar and baking soda. So I did that. I tried to clean it up myself. I tried the vinegar and baking soda and it helped a little bit but not enough. So it says if that doesn't work, put vinegar in the pan and then some water and boil it for 20 minutes. So I'm out there about ten minutes into it and she walks out and she's like, what are you doing? I said, I uh I, uh uh and first I wanted to hide it and say nothing, don't worry about it, just go away. Another part of me finally just confessed that I had totally made a mess about everything. I said, so I was like cooking with your stove. I've tried to blame it on the stove once I figured out what I did. And your knob goes the other direction. It wasn't really my fault. And your pan got scorched and now I'm boiling vinegar in it. She's like, I'll take care of it. I said, no, I don't want you to be angry at me or be bothered at me that you have to sit there and try to scrub a pan. Should I just buy a new one? She's like, no, we can probably get it clean. So anyway, I said, well, let's let it boil for the rest of the 20 minutes. And then uh, she found a better Brillo pad and I was able to scrub it out and clean it out and now the pan looks perfect again. But I thought to myself, okay, my biggest problem the, the mess that I created is I didn't want to disappoint the one that I loved. I didn't want to disappoint my wife. And then I wanted to hide it and then I wanted to, you know, cover it up or fix it in my own way. Probably sure, pretty, pretty sure that using the sand, orbital sander on the pan probably wouldn't have worked out very well. It would have looked different, much different. But anyway, and so I confessed my sin. She offered to help. She helped me to get it cleaned up. And then the pan is fine and life goes on. And I learned a lesson that that knob on the end will take you the other direction. So the same is true in our life with God. God loves us so much. Sometimes he sees the mess that we've created and he says, don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. Or sometimes he helps us to see ways to fix it and sees ways uh, to help us to not fall into that mess to do that again. So that is my story of the scorched pan. However, I think that a lot of people struggle with, can God really love me? I mean, you look at people's love, and it's conditional. I mean, when you think about the way that people love each other, a lot of people love you for a time. Uh, People will love you when you do what they want you to do. People will love you if they don't know who you really are. People will love you because you look attractive or a certain way, but if you don't look that way in the future, will you still be loved? And we often struggle with the fact, can I be loved? Can God really love me? The tough thing about God is that He sees and knows everything that we do, and we know that, and there's just so many times where we just want to hide that scorched pan mess of our life, so many times where we just want to hide it away and say, God, I know I've made a mess out of everything, and I'm pretty sure that you that I can't be used for anything. I'm not good anymore. Sky Jethani uh, relates a story about holding a series of meetings with college-age students. The topics ranged across the spectrum, doctrine, hell, dating, But each conversation had three rules, be honest, be gracious, and be present. One night, the students wanted to discuss habitual sins. Although they struggled with a variety of sinful behaviors, they all agreed on one thing, God was extremely disappointed with them. One student said, my parents were students at a Christian college in the early 90s when a revival broke out. They were on fire for God, and here I am, consumed by sin day after day. Often through tears, many other students shared similar stories about how they believed God must be disappointed with them. After listening to their stories, Jethani asked, How many of you were raised in a Christian home? They all raised their hands. How many of you grew up in a Bible-centered church? All hands stayed up. Shaking his head in disbelief, Jethani said, You've all spent 18 or 20 years in the church. You've been taught the Bible from the time you could crawl, and you attend Christian colleges, but none of you gave the right answer. Not one of you said that in the midst of your sin, God still loves you. Jethani concluded, I did not blame the students for their failure. Somewhere in their spiritual formation, they were taught either explicitly or implicitly that what mattered was not God's love for them, but how much they could accomplish for him. Do you feel that way sometimes? Sometimes you think, just too messed up to be used by God. Just too messed up. Um, God sometimes can use your mess to help other people, to use the things that you've done in the past, that you've gotten victory over your sin, or maybe you're still struggling and getting victory and dealing with, to help other people. I'm pretty sure that if we looked deeply into everybody's life here, in some area of your life, you are a mess, and God still loves you. In some area of your life, you need help in healing and forgiveness, and God can give you the love to make that happen. Paul, the Apostle Paul, superhero for Christ, who um, proclaimed his faith boldly and wrote much of the New Testament, struggled with, I'm a mess. How can God use me? 1 Timothy 1.12, he says, I give thanks to Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, appointing me to the ministry, even though in in our lives, everybody seems to have an even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man. But I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And then he says, I am the worst. Do you ever feel that way? Sometimes I think Satan wants to convince you that you're the worst and you should just sit down and be quiet and not share your faith, not live for Christ, not even try, not pursue God because you are the worst. But actually in Christ we're forgiven, so we are not the worst. We might have been The worst, but we're forgiven. So through Christ, when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are no longer the worst. But this is what Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1.15. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. You know, one thing I want to encourage you not to do, though, is when you are sharing your faith with people, Do not try to convince them that you are the worst sinner. I'm not really sure that helps. When they say, oh, I struggle with this and I'm doing this. Oh, that's nothing. You should have seen what I've done. You know, don't try to outdo their sin. Okay, just let them share and then talk about how Christ forgives sinners. Trying to outdo them in a competition of who is the worst sinner is totally missing the point. But I am the worst of them, Paul writes. But I receive mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life, Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, the honor, glory forever and ever. Amen. So he says, I am the worst, but he is forgiven and God can save us. So when we look at Romans chapter 5, something that Paul wrote, Romans kind of looks like a legal document where it's talking about how we're justified by faith and forgiven of sin and all these things if you read through Romans. And we're just going to jump right into the middle in chapter 5 where we see love. But before we do that, I wanted to highlight quickly the four types of love that the Bible talks about. So um, actually Greek forms of love. So, according to Bill Mounts, a Greek Bible scholar, uh, the first one doesn't necessarily show up in the Bible. So, the first one is eros, a self-seeking love, where we get the word erotic. It is a sexual love. Um, In Greek culture, this word referred to sensual, carnal impulses to satisfy or gratify the sexual desires of the flesh. It shares common root word, which means to ask, to beg, or to demand. This is not a giving type of love. It denotes a sexual demand, not a love that seeks to give or to please someone else, but a carnal love that seeks the fulfillment of its own desires. So we get the word erotic. It's all about the person trying to get something or take something for themselves. It's not a giving love. It's one type of love. Um, sterge love, is limited only to one's family. So this is a type of love that uh, exists between parents and children or the love that exists between members of a family. One scholar has noted that on occasion the word sterge uh, sterge portrayed the love of a nation for its ruler or even the love of a dog for its master. So it's a love of devotion. Then there is hileo, love, which is based on mutual satisfaction and can feel disappointed. This is brotherly love. Affection felt between a boyfriend and a girlfriend, uh, between two friends. It carries the idea of two or more people who feel compatible, well-matched, well-suited, and complementary to each other. Uh, the word describes the attributes of friendship. And then the final word is agape love, which is the highest form of love, a self-sacrificial type of love that moves the lover to action. And this is the type of love that God has for us. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It is agape love. It's a high, what he calls a high-level love. The others are a low-level love. But agape love occurs when an individual sees, recognizes, understands, or appreciates the value of, of an object or a person, causing the viewer to behold this object or person in great esteem, awe, admiration, wonder, and sincere appreciation. Such respect is awakened in the heart of the observer for the object or the person he is beholding that he is compelled to love it. In fact, his love for that person or object is so strong that it is irresistible. In John 3.16, God God so loved the world, that is agape love. So God loves us, God loves us cares for us, and we should have that same type of love for other people, a love that's moved to action, a love that is a self-sacrificing love that gives isn't necessarily looking to receive as much as it is to give. When it comes to Valentine's Day and you think of um, relationships and love, uh, Bill Mounts says, if agape is the basis of your sexual relationship with your spouse, instead of eros, you will always seek to serve and please your spouse rather than being self-centered and focused only on your needs. If agape is the basis of your family relationship rather than sterge love, you will always remain devoted to your family regardless of the disappointment that may occur along the way. And if agape is the basis of your friendship rather than phileo, you will be faithful, immovable, a faithful and movable friend for life rather than a come-and-go friend who is faithful only as long as you get what you want out of the relationship. In fact, if agape is the driving motivation of your life and the force behind all of your relationships, it will make you, the, make you to be the best, most devoted, faithful, and reliable friend anyone has ever known. And you can't come up with this love on your own, but you can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, love like that. So, in Romans chapter 5, Uh, verses 1 through, I think we'll go through like 10 or something like that. The Bible has a lot to say about what God does for us, how much God loves us, how much God cares for us. So I will read through part of that. Number one, God's love brings peace. There's nothing better in a relationship when there's peace. When you've torched the pan and you've made a mess to have your wife come out, and realize that it's okay and that there's peace. It makes for a good day. So it makes for a good time in the house. I always hate it when there's not peace in the house. So not that that would ever happen in my house. Actually, it seems like whenever I did series on like marriage or marriage conflict or spiritual warfare, that things would fall apart at home on Saturdays. And it was usually my fault. But um, God's love brings peace. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So if you read uh, before this in Romans, you, talk, you learn how we're justified and how we become righteous with God through what Jesus Christ has done when he died on the cross for our sins and we placed our faith in him. We're made right with God and we can have peace with God. So people that are not in Christ, God's wrath still remains upon them because of their sin, but our sin is forgiven, and that makes us right in God's eyes. He declares us righteous and brings peace with God through what Jesus Christ has done through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Then it says, we have also obtained access through him by faith. So access is something that you want to have. You want to have a relation. If you love somebody, you want to spend time with them. You want to have access. You want to spend time communicating You know that old saying that says that relationships are like plants and you have to keep watering them if you want them to grow? You need to keep moving forward in relationships and uh, in care, in love, in communication. You need to keep communicating with God. God communicates to you through His Word. Sometimes He speaks to your heart. I suppose occasionally He might speak to somebody audibly. I hear about that with Muslims a lot, but... God speaks through His Word. If you're not hearing from God, you need to be in His Word more. But that communication, that love, you want to do all that you can to pursue that. It's an open door, access to Him. We can boldly approach His throne, it says in Hebrews. Uh, Access through faith into this grace in which we stand. So that means that He loves us, accepts us, that we can approach Him, that we don't need to be afraid, we don't need... To be ashamed. a matter of fact, if we're in sin, we should confess that to him and ask him to help us, help us figure out how to fix it, figure out how to change, figure out how to move forward so we don't keep doing it. God doesn't create a list of rules to make our life boring or to keep us from fun. He wants to put up fences to protect us and to keep us safe and help us to live a higher quality of life, a better life, a life that can be blessed, a life that can make more of an impact for the world. God's love brings peace. Number two, God's love brings hope, Uh, verses chapter 5, verses 3 to 4. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. It is so easy when you're going through a hard time and your life has fallen apart or something terrible, tragic happens in your life or your kid dies to say that God doesn't love me, God doesn't care about us, God... Where are you? How could you let that happen? I thought when I put my faith in you that everything was going to be perfect and easy and blessed and there'd never be any difficulty, there'd never be any heartbreak, there'd never be any trouble, and I don't know why he allows it sometimes, but this is one good reason that when you go through hard times that it produces endurance and it produces proven character and proven character produces hope and you keep hoping in God, whatever your trouble is, whatever your difficulty is, no matter how bad it is, you put God first And you keep moving forward and with that hope, then, um, one, you are worshiping God through all of your choices to keep pursuing Him and loving Him and holding on to the hard times and the difficulties. And two, you're an example to other people of your faith in God, even through the difficulty. I don't know how many people I've heard that have some, you know, like cancer or whatever who are faithful to God, who talk about how they've ministered to the nurses and the doctors with their faith and all the people that have come around them. And John Piper had written this thing when he had cancer, this little booklet called Don't Waste Your Cancer that talks about how God can use something as terrible and difficult as cancer in your life. Now, hopefully you would be healed of that. Hopefully you would, but if you're not to die faithfully like our friend Mike did, to to walk uh, from this life into the next life with great assurance and hope, what a great thing! So, I'll try not to shed any tears here. But so the last thing Mike Jacob said to me was, "You are a good pastor." Thank you. So, it's good good thing. Um, number three, God's love flows through the Holy Spirit. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who is given to us. So God gives us the Holy Spirit, and He brings love through that relationship. God's love is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit when we become a Christian, but we need to yield our lives to the Holy Spirit and be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we feel God's love through the Holy Spirit. It's a package deal. The Holy Spirit gives us understanding of the Bible, convicts us of sin, empowers us for ministry, and does all these things, and it's through the Holy Spirit that God's love is poured out into our hearts. Do you feel God's love? Do you share God's love? It's through God pouring love into you that you're able to share it with others then. So the Holy Spirit is to empower you and equip you to be witnesses, to share Christ and to make a difference in the world so God's love flows through you uh, through the Holy Spirit and then out of you through the Holy Spirit to others so that you can share Christ's love with others. God's love flows through the Holy Spirit, moves through the Holy Spirit. Number four, God's love sent Christ to rescue us. God had a plan from the beginning of Adam and Eve. From the beginning of time, He knew that we were going to sin and mess up and that He would be sending Christ. Christ is foretold even in Genesis. And that whole idea that we were going to fail, God still wanted to have a relationship, wanted to know us, still wanted to be there for us. So He still created us. He didn't wipe us out and start with something that wouldn't make a mistake. So, verse Six. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, uh, though for a good person, someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God sent Christ to rescue us out of his love, out of his love for you and me, for the people back then, for the people now, for our, for our kids, for our grandkids, for the future until Christ returns that we are part of this rescue plan. Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose again, is available through a personal relationship. God's love sent Christ to rescue us, proves his love, demonstrates his own love for us in this. When? When we were perfect? No. When we had it all together? No. When we figured out how to fix our mistakes? No. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Number five, God's love saves us. God's loves, God's love saves us. Verse 9 how much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of a son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Saves us from the penalty of our sin. Saves us from becoming what we would have become if Christ wasn't in our life. Can you imagine who you would be or what you would be into if Christ wasn't in your life, if you weren't trying to live out biblical principles, if you weren't trying to be a Christ follower. I mean, some of you that I know, many of you that I know, great character, love to be around you, but I have a feeling that we would all really be a mess if Christ wasn't in our life. God's love saves us. Saves us just not from eternity in hell, but saves us from an empty life, saves us from a meaning, purposeless life, and gives us heaven, God's love, Saves us for God so loved the world in this way, He gave His only one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. When we go to a wedding, we always hear the love chapter, First Corinthians chapter 13. We know it, I'm sure that many of you have it memorized, but you know, God's love the way that we are to love, the description of love, the way that love is shown. This is in First Corinthians chapter 13: "Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, does not keep a record of wrong. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. God's love saves us. On Right now media, I found this Jenny Allen video clip, and she's talking about her love for a child that she's going to adopt an adopted child that shows no love back. And I think about that. Go ahead and turn the lights off. I think about that, and I think about sometimes that's the way God is with us, too, that we haven't done anything to deserve his love, but he wants to keep showing us his love. So let's watch this.
0: You know, I thought when I had children, uh, biologically, that now I finally had a glimpse more deeply into God and how he loves us unconditionally. And then I think it all changed for me when we adopted our son. And we went over to Rwanda to get him. And I'd never seen him before, but he was already ours. And so when I meet him, I could not believe the commitment that I felt toward that boy, and he did not love me at first. In fact, he pushed me away, and I'll be honest, like, it hurt me that he didn't love me the way that I already loved him, and yet I was so determined to get that boy, put his eyes right into mine, and and to make him believe that I loved him so much and that I was his mother and he was mine whether he treated me right or not. And so I think I learned something about God in that because we all live in a world where everything is about measuring up and everything is about how we perform and how we treat each other. And it is so easy to lose favor with people. It is so easy to lose grace. And so it's almost impossible to imagine That I cannot do enough wrong and cause enough hurt to God and reject Him enough to make Him quit loving me. I can't imagine that that's possible. And I think I've fought it forever. And now that I have this boy that is pushing me away, even physically hurting me at times, and yet I am after Him. Like, I am committed that, that I will love him and I will make him mine and I will wrap him up and he will know that I am his mom and that I'm not going anywhere and so you know every day I take him and we go get Fanta slushes because he loves Fanta he's from Africa and Fanta's a big deal there and so we go every day and we go get Fanta slushes and I'm doing everything I can to speak this boy's language to make him see that I adore him and yet he just keeps pushing me away and keeps pushing me away You know, I think that this idea that love is supposed to feel right, it's an emotion, whatever, it it is a commitment, it is a decision that you say, you know what, no matter what you do to me, I am in, you can treat me any way and I am in and I'm not going to quit pursuing you and I'm not gonna quit loving you and I'm not gonna quit sacrificing for you. And you know, it's been two years and I'm still sacrificing for that little boy. And I've never, ever, ever imagined that he would steal my heart the way that he has. I'm in love with him. He is my son. I feel like when I look at him, um, he was built for me. He may as well have come out of me because he's my son, and, and I, feel, I feel that when I look at him.
1: All right, so that is a good example of love, of unconditional love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 talks about that God's love empowers us to love others. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. And we love through God. Uh, God's love empowers us to love others that way. In your bulletin, I uh, listed the ABCs of God's love and John thirteen thirty four says, I give you a new command, love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. That God is, God's love is amazing, big, constant, deep, endless, forgiving, gracious, holy, immeasurable, jealous, kind, loud, marvelous, never failing, overflowing, powerful, quieting, redeeming, sacrificial, true, unconditional, valuable, wonderful, exciting, yearning, and zealous. God's love. So God reaches out to us and loves us, and we're supposed to love others, and there are so many things. If you just look in the subject index of your Bible and look at love, or you look at a topical Bible and look up love, we could talk a long time about God's love, and we are out of time. So I will pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that you do love us, Lord, that you have an unconditional love. There is something that we need to do in this life, though, and that's that we need to repent of our sin, acknowledge that we're sinners and ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sin. Come into our life and save us, that that was your plan, your remedy for our sin, to make the relationship right. Not that we have to work and make ourselves perfect, but that we have to believe and receive Jesus. And when we do that, then you start to work in us and make us the person you created us to be. Let us pray, if we've never done this, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, please forgive me of my sin and come into my life and save me and make me the person you created me to be. I want to experience your love. Lord, help us, those of us who are in Christ, Lord, who have been adopted as your children, Lord, to show you love and to love others. Show us what it is in our life that's unloving so that we can change that. Show us how to love others without enabling them to continue in sin, but to show them true love, Lord, to show them compassion, to bear um, all things in love. Lord, help us. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity. I pray that you would help us to apply this message as we go from here. And we ask us in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. We meet 10 a.m. Sundays at Chatfield Elementary School on 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.